Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty. This week, we'll talk about how to begin and end paragraphs and why we might exclaim, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck, you know. Let's get started. This first segment is by Edwin Battistella. We should pay more attention to paragraphs. I know that sounds obvious, but what I'm fretting about is the advice that beginning writers get to begin paragraphs with topic sentences and end with summary sentences. Such a topic sandwich filled with subpoints, supporting sentences, and examples lends itself to formulaic writing. This strategy of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them, can be useful for public speaking, where listeners don't have a text to follow. But in written exposition, readers don't need you to be quite such a tour guide. They can refer back to the previous text. They can read slowly when they need to, or skim or skip ahead when they get bored. And if you bore them, they will skip ahead. Designing good paragraphs isn't about taking people on a walk, but about treating them to an experience. So paragraphing is less about being a tour guide than it is about being the conductor of a symphony. A paragraph can end in a sharp point, a pinprick that wakes readers up and focuses their attention on what you've just written. Readers should think, oh, not yup. I tried to do that just before with the sentence, and if you bore them, they will skip ahead. Sometimes good paragraphing is as simple as letting the start of one paragraph serve as the conclusion to the last, leaving readers hanging for half a beat. Rafi Kachadorian does this in his essay, The Tastemakers, writing about the flavor industry. Kachadorian tells readers about the confidentiality agreements that makers of food flavorings sign. The paragraph ends with an example of a company honoring the agreement even years later. Asked about their flavor development for Snapple, the Brooklyn-based flavoring company Virginia Dare, quote, refused to discuss the matter, unquote. The next paragraph opens with a broader point, quote, such secrecy helps shape the story of our food, unquote. Had Kachadorian ended his previous paragraph with that line, it would have been a flat summary. At the beginning of the next paragraph, however, it sets the trajectory for the next part of the essay. Another example comes from Dan Jarafsky's The Language of Food. In one paragraph, Jarafsky explains the early technology of distillation, its perfection by Arabic and Persian scientists, and its geographic spread. 
The next paragraph opens with the sharper linguistic point that, quote, all this history, of course, is there in the words, unquote. Kachadorian and Jurafsky let their example sink in for a moment before telling us why they're significant. A paragraph can end in a jump cut, an image or idea that occurs in a slightly different form later. Writer Louis Menand does this in his essay, Cat People. Menand engages his readers in a literary analysis of the cat in the hat. Every reader, he deadpans, will feel that the story revolves around a piece of withheld information. Where does the mother go, and why? It's a story, he suggests, of the violation of domestic taboos. The paragraph that follows segues neatly from literary analysis to Seuss's biography. Menand begins the paragraph with the sentence, The decision to turn the cat in the hat on the trope of the mater abscondita is not without interest, coming as it does from a writer who chose his mother's maiden name as his pen name. The reader is hooked. On occasion, too, the best paragraphs are single sentences. In his book, The True Believer, Eric Hoffer gives a long, complex discussion of the effect of mass movements on individuals. The explanation involves concepts like diminution, the untenable self, and the burdens of autonomous existence. His next paragraph drives the point home. The true believer is eternally incomplete, eternally insecure. We often read for information and for story. Sometimes we pause to enjoy great sentences, fresh images, and lyricism. Let's not ignore the humble but noble paragraph. That segment originally appeared on the Oxford University Press blog and was written by Edwin Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University. He's the author of Sorry About That, The Language of Public Apology, Do You Make These Mistakes in English? Bad Language, and The Logic of Markedness. And now, on to turnips. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. 
Plus, with Rosetta Stone's True Accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. Listener David from Canada recently wrote in with a question. He wanted to know about the meaning and origin of the phrase to fall off the turnip truck. David, we'll start with the basics. In case you're not a fan of root vegetables, turnips are the ones that look like overgrown radishes. They're cream-colored on the outside and pure white on the inside. The part we most commonly eat grows underground, and it has broad green leaves that grow above ground. They have a bitter taste when raw and taste pretty bland when cooked. Turnips have long been eaten by humans, but for probably just as long, they've been considered a food of the poor. The ancient Greek playwright Aristophanes wrote of beggars who were so impoverished that they ate not turnips, but the scrawny leaves of turnips. In 16th century England, turnips were grown in rotation with barley, clover, and wheat, and then fed to cows and pigs and sheep. Maybe because turnips were considered suitable eating for barnyard animals, they came to be associated with dullness and stupidity. A turnip eater was considered a stupid person. A turnip head was a peasant or a country bumpkin. And turnip itself became slang for a simpleton or a fool. We see this use as early as 1656 in a book of poems that refers to a poor turnip-eating clown. We also see it in Charles Dickens's Pickwick Papers, published in 1836. His character, Sam Weller, refers to himself as a soft-headed, incredulous turnip. So if dullards eat turnips, they might also fall from turnip trucks, right? Thus we see the use that David mentions. You'll most likely hear it in the negative, as in, I don't believe your lies. Do you think I fell off a turnip truck? This expression is more common in the southern United States than in the north. There's a chain of grocery stores in Nashville, Tennessee, called the Turnip Truck. Southern Living Magazine calls the phrase a quirky southern saying. There's even a literary journal called the Turnip Trucks, founded by a group of writers who met at the University of Idaho. Why did they pick that name? Editor Tina Mitchell explains that it's a phrase her father, raised on a farm in rural South Dakota, uses often. He frequently reminds me that he didn't fall off the turnip truck, she says. The first time he said this, I was probably 10 or 11. I asked him what he meant, to which he replied, it basically means I wasn't born yesterday. Two quick notes. This phrase is not related to the expression to fall off the wagon, which means to resume drinking alcohol after having stopped. Nor is it related to the phrase to fall off a truck, or the UK version to fall off the back of a lorry. Both these phrases refer to an item that was stolen or otherwise obtained by questionable means. So that's your tidbit for today. To fall off the turnip truck means to be naive or gullible like a country bumpkin. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. 
You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all my articles and podcasts at quickanddirtytips.com. And you can get every single podcast I ever recorded that still exists, more than 600 of them, ad-free by signing up for Stitcher Premium at stitcherpremium.com grammar. Use the code grammar for a free month, during which time you can also binge listen all the bonus episodes. That's all. Thanks for listening. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.